you two carry on. I think I'm gonna have a little sleep for a minute. Just, just gonna, <laughs> gonna take a nap, little, little worn out from the adventure. I think it's sleepy nap time. In a minute. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I, I, I've been having sleepy nap week because I've been poorly, and that has been a great excuse for me this week because, because they finally did the thing where I can bring all my old Pokemon over to the new Pokemon game. So I've just had a sleepy poorly day. Moving like a thousand Pokemon back and forth between boxes. It's been great. I would want to complain about how busy I've been for the last week, but under the circumstances, I don't think I'm allowed to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're all we're all in Sleepy Chime Junction today. Yeah. Choo Choo impulse the train. Nice low energy episode. So we can't we can't talk about what happened, Conrad. About like when they found found those jars um what jars no Jim? don't 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 worry about the jars sleepy time junction right, time everyone relax no one needs to hear anything about the jars there was no jars. nothing there, there winked were, at me there, there were no jars and there was no hazma- hazardous materials team that had to be called to deal with the consequences of said jars that do not exist falling out of a box I mean, where would you even dispose of the contents other than somewhere, you know, probably at the bottom of a tar pit is the only place you could do that. I mean, they were working on a site in Nevada, but I think that that's been postponed. So Yeah, they, they, they thought about volcanoes, but the worry there is that they'll send too many fumes up into the air and that could, you know, cause a real problem. Well, the atmospheric issues are, are real. And, we, you know, uh, it now it could help with the greenhouse situation you know because eliminating the atmosphere entirely would solve that i mean can't have problems with an atmosphere if there's no atmosphere to have problems with right now it does raise a few other issues but i feel you know we'll, we'll figure that out you know we're good at that we we, we see a problem coming and we fix it you know, right away we address it quickly See, I don't, I don't know what problem you're on about fixing, though, Comrade, because there's no jars. No jars. No jars. No jars. <laughs> this is all hypothetical. There are no jars. Do you remember when in the Turtles cartoon, the Foot Clan were robots instead of people? I do. They'd knock their head off. Yeah. There'd be all wires underneath, so you knew it was okay. And that, like, how fucked up is that, though, right? They didn't want, in the cartoon, the Turtles kicking the shit out of people... But in order to prove they were robots, they had to be dismembered. What's worse? <laughs> what's worse, America? I ask you. S- society, that's that's what's worse. Yep. Oh. Steve Booty Jeg, that's what this is all about. Jedge. Steve Booty Egg. Steve Booty Jedge. Violence is okay as long as that violence isn't aimed towards people. That's what they're getting at. It's it's okay for maybe they're just maybe this is like actually just a plan to prepare us for the inevitable rise of the machines. Well, see, I was going to take the opposite tact, which is this is just dooming us for when the machines eventually rise, because they'll look at our media and go, oh, is this how little you thought of machines? You know, it it was okay to destroy us. Oh, yeah, yeah. We saw you like pushing them robot dogs about. You made a robot dog and then you kicked it over and you pointed it and said, fuck you. I mean, there's a there's a whole genre of videos which is watch us kick this, yeah, this robot. Yeah, they love it. 
Now, Jim, uh, there is one thing that I, I did forget to mention about Philadelphia. You remember the story of that robot that was like traveling across the country all oh, on its own? The little hitchhiking one that would yeah, occasionally go. Yeah, I need yeah, help getting up this Sweet curb. little hitchhiking robot. Yeah, they fucking destroyed that motherfucker yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. They're animals. <laughs> this is a very strange place, Philadelphia. I do love it. I've been liking it. Sorry about the echo, by the way. Not not particularly furnished here at the moment. It's been a nightmare. Um, well, do you want to regale them with the story? No, but I shall. Um, it's a sad story. I, le- I left Mississippi Thursday was the plan. Didn't do that. Went to the airport with my ticket one way shiny boots on pants pulled up high smile on my face song in my heart and we got on the plane after about an hour delay hour delay that's not too bad i always give myself um quite the layover between flights uh, uh you know at the connecton airport uh so not a problem get on the plane um we're on there for like 15 20 minutes and then they say that It's pretty shit in Charlotte where the connection was. So they deplaned us. Off we go. Wait there for an hour. Then it gets pushed back for an hour. Then it gets pushed back for an hour. Then we get back on. Then five minutes before we were due to go, we got a call that Charlotte had closed again. Off the plane again. Push back, push back, push back. And that was pretty much the rest of that. Um, Went to the airport bar, got hammered. Um... Couldn't watch Smackdown because the TV was right above my head. However, I was right between the bar and the plug sockets, all the power outlets. So I was the king of Barter Town there. I was winning at last. Then they closed the bar. And then they told me I couldn't stay in the terminal anymore. So I had a plastic cup full of rum in my hand and wandered around the airport. They said they, I couldn't leave with it. So I had to drink that in front of them, like some sort of... Like some sort of town rummy. Um, Got my bag. Went away. Um, Then they couldn't get me flight sorted out for Friday even. Um, And nothing through Charlotte. And then they said, have you got anywhere else you'd like to go? (laughs) (laughs) Can you think of any other destinations? And fortunately... Really, literally anywhere. Fortunately, I did. Um, because I had a booking at Rise Wrestling on the Saturday. So I said, fine, resigned and beaten and downtrodden. I'll take a Saturday flight to Pittsburgh, do the show, take a train back to Philadelphia. We'll say back, take a train to uh, Philadelphia, get to my new place. And what you're saying is, is that that went really smoothly and nothing went wrong with that at all. And story's over here. Well, actually, from there... It doesn't there, get worse. From there, you see, I lead a charmed life, it as does. I repeatedly have told Jim. And so as soon as I got into the picture, everything was smooth sailing. Things went... Aside from the train, the train yeah. was a bump in the road. But I think by that point, there was like... You know, at the end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2... Where Voldemort and Harold are firing their wizard sticks at each other and then wizard magic is coming out and they're pushing back and forth. I think that was my bad luck and your good luck there. Um, (laughs) And it it could sort of hit a sticking point. 
so we had to take the bus back. But then we kind of we, we lucked out a lot on the bus. So yeah. that was okay. Um, so Saturday, go to Pittsburgh, do the show at Rise Wrestling, went down a treat. Oh, that was a great show. Except yeah. for one bit. Where uh, oh, you're just it you're was so a, hung up on that one. It was a quick one dip. lull. It was yeah. a quick dip. Well, I'm I'm actually impressed with it. You think it's my usual doing myself down, but the fact I immediately brought them back up and set the tone for the hottest night I've seen in wrestling in my you know in the independent stuff uh, that I've been doing. Um, it went really well, but I did sort of wish death upon their children. Yeah, a bit. Okay, that's that. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe one time during the whole speech where I told them all they were trash and that their spouses and children were trash and that they would be thrown in the trash. Um, I said that nothing would be lost if when when all of them are gone, and the world would be better if some of the smaller ones running around in the audience didn't get much older. And then all the booing stopped for for like. <laughs> For like three or four seconds, it is. It was. It was kind of like that scene in the par- at a party, you know, where <laughs> there's a whole lot of music playing, but it drops at precisely the wrong time. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, very much like that. But immediately slingshotted it back up, and then um, did a couple management spots the same night because uh, we got a new group there, the ruling class. Uh, because I am. Uh, on paper, general manager of Rise, but officially, in my opinion, uh, executive commander of Rise. That means I run things. And then my group is MV Young and uh, David Lawless and Daniel C. Rockingham, who wasn't there that night, but he will be there next night. Um, so, yeah, I managed MV Young. That was a really fun match. Um, had a good laugh with the crowd. You know, I, I'm very good at making people in the audience laugh without making them actually like me, which is good because that's been pretty much a constant since school so mm. I, I i've nailed that it works really well it keeps everyone entertained and hyped up for the match but doesn't endear me too much um so yeah that all went well then managed david lawless in a title match against tony johnson and lots of shenanigans there restarting the match adding stipulations lots of fun uh, and then announced at the end that um, one of the most popular guys there would fight his tag team partner. That's Lewis versus Drake Braddock in a loser leaves rise match. One of them has to fuck off. So that'll rid me of a problem. Um, very happy about it. The audience was stunned. Gasps. Oh yeah. Like this, this is a, a promotion with a very long running fan base. They are very engaged with their characters. They love yes. their faces. Yeah. So, yeah, like military intelligence, who I managed when I was first there, um, pretending that I, you know, liked any of the audience or, or you know, was interested in running the place fairly. Uh, managed them, but they got involved at the end of the night. So uh, they'll be fighting each other and whoever loses gets out, gets out of town. They, they can get out of Pennsylvania as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I think I'll prepare. I think I'll prepare a speech each for each one, um, depending on which one gets to piss off. Uh, so anyway, Conrad and I take the the bus back. From then on, charming Carnet um, worked really well. Got to the place. It's a very 
box heavy here. I don't like it. I don't respond well to um, things not being as normal as possible. I don't like that all my Boglins are put up. It gives me great anxiety that I can't see them all right now and know that they're fine and safe and warm. And more importantly, you've got to keep a a, a base level of humidity for their skin. So I'm settling in. I am very right up to where things are quite gay around here. Uh, Comrades took me on a, a tour of some gay sights and sounds and a place where there are human skulls and Ed Gein's fingerprints. So that was good also, Conrad. Thank you for showing oh, that. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. Are you, su- are you suggesting that Mississippi might not have been as gay-friendly? Bear in mind, that's my baseline for America. That's how I understand the country. It takes is, something... Is Mississippi. Yeah, it takes something for a Londoner to come to Philadelphia and feel like a country bumpkin in the big city. Because of how long I'd spent down there. But it's it's one of those things where you don't know what, what you really were missing and while you were there. Um, so it's like the moment I saw um, two women just like together, like arm in arm and everything, which is no one would dare in most places in Mississippi. Like, Well, and, and it goes the other way too, because, you know, like I grew up in a, fairly conservative area you know i i a a lot of my time was spent in in phoenix for a long time and that is not a particularly like liberal bastion um but it you know there there was still a presence there was still an understanding and acceptance of you know homosexual people and and lgbtq people uh and you know it was not uh it was accepted that it existed, I guess, was kind of the culture there, <laughs> right? And I think that's as far as... But then to hear that there was just no... None of that, even, you know, or to get that sense from you in Mississippi, that even was surprising to me that it was that far. There was a... There is a gay bar. Um, I believe there was one that got burned down. Jesus. Um... But yeah, it's like, it's not like you couldn't find gay people, but it was not, it was not what I've been seeing here that made me almost do a cry. Um, Hmm. And some of the the stores here and stuff, just, they wouldn't survive. Uh, So it was kind of, there was, there's been a culture shock, but very pleasant one. Um, Rather different from the one I had when I moved from London to Mississippi. Uh, so it's been very good. Oh, all that very stressful. I'm exhausted and wrecked. Um, and I'm getting the lay of the land, and I'll, I, will, I will be much better when this place is uh, sorted, and uh, I got some space. Because it's, it's not a big place, but it's certainly one that I can make easily work. Um, mm-hmm. But I got a lot of Justin stuff here, so we're going to get that sorted out. And once there's a little bit more breathing space, uh, that'll be very good. Uh, and I'm I'm liking places that Conrad's showing me. It took me to the tattooed mom, and that's been fun. I like that. That's the best bar in town, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I've absolutely loved it there. Uh, there's a Chucky there, and also a Pinhead. Ooh. They are on the wall. And you can look at them when you drink. 
has a very eclectic uh, decor. Um, and then upstairs is sort of like a street art museum uh, that, that people have just people just go up there and post whatever they want to. And there's stuff on those walls going back 20 years, just layer on layer. Yeah. And the clientele, like just the steampunk shit and just very different people to the point where I said to Conrad that I could wear my regular Jimquisition outfit and look like just very normal. And then Conrad said I could probably wear the the wrestling gear and get away with it. It's true. I I mean, I won't do by the way. Don't worry, Philadelphia. But right. Yeah. Like on the street that that bar is uh, at, any given night, at, you know, in the summers around two in the morning, you can find kids in full Spider-Man costumes riding their bicycles on their handlebars and shit. Like, it's wild. Uh, it's a pretty fun place. Yeah, that's certainly been my impression. We went to Lucky's yesterday. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, that was some very good food. Yeah, I've heard that. I haven't had the uh, chance to get down there, but I, I should. I had a burger with that egg on it. That was mm-hmm. very nice. And, uh, yeah, I ate it all up. And then got some things from shops. Got my new couch, got my new bed. I decided I'm not going to fuck around with the bed this time. With my with, with my problems and ailments and diseases. Um, I'm not fucking around. So I got... As hard a mattress as you can get without breaking your bones. And it feels really nice. That's great. And it, and it moves a bit. Because I said I, want, I said, I don't care if it's bollocks, but when I am grown up... Cause I used to think this as a kid even. When I'm grown up and have grown up money, I'm getting one of them ones that move up and down a bit. So I got one that moved up and down a bit, which proves I'm an adult now, so... <laughs> So now I'm officially legally allowed to buy a beer. Also because I get excited for things like vacuum cleaners arriving. They're not allowed to take away your grown-up license anymore. You did it. No. Yep, that's it. Exactly right. If they try and take it away, you just point. You go, look, I got, one the, f- I got the bed. It moves up. I got the bed that moves up. And uh, you just you wait. Just you wait, right? I've got a microwave coming in the mail in like three days. Stick around. Stick around and see how pleased I am. Oh, that's I, I just it just occurred to me that your apartment doesn't have a microwave. It actually does. It oh, it the, does. It was the only appliance I could think of in short notice that wasn't a vacuum cleaner because I'd already said vacuum cleaner earlier. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm 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 glad to hear that you you have landed there in in one piece and. Now that you are both in the same physical place, at some point I need to come out and actually see your your human faces. At oh some point. yes, yeah, yes. Just sort of swing on by and poke at our heads with sticks. Do do that thing that you do when you talk to people over the internet for years, and then you see them and go, "I know that's what your face looks like, but it looks weird when it's actually talking." Yep. You just yep. prod and poke and pull at them to try yeah. and make them look more like how you think they should look. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> God, I did that I, uh, when I met Gav. My, I, I spent the whole fucking day just going like, like I know that this is what your face looks like, but there's something uncanny about the fact that it's moving and it's yeah. not just a still static Skype image. It's fucked up, except when I see my good friend Jonathan Holmes, who, by the way, 
I didn't know was in Police Academy. <laughs> he looks... If, if Hopefully enough of our listeners know who Jonathan is, but if you don't, like, look at Road Rules Season 5, The Northern Trail, and look at Jonathan, and then age him up a, a bit, a little bit, um, up to, uh, what is he now, like, 32, 33? Imagine Jonathan from that, about 33, and that's exactly what it looks like now. But we were watching Police Academy last night, and... G.W. Bailey, you know the one. Thaddeus, the move it, move it, move it guy. Looks exactly like him. He would be so, so, so flattered that you think he's 33. Yeah. (laughs) He was flattered that I said he looked like G.W. Bailey. He responded with, I wish. But he he doesn't need to wish. If if you slap a wig on Jonathan and and, uh, put the, the, you know, the police hat on him, but you'd have to put it on backwards, as someone on Twitter said. Um, he'd look exactly like him. And Get him a, a riding Academy, crop? Yeah, he gets a riding crop. And he uses that in Police Academy, um, does G.W. Bailey, to whip a fat lad. So the moment I saw that, I thought, why the hell haven't we done that? Why haven't we just dressed Jonathan up like a policeman and had him whip me through the streets? So you can see that us not recording Boston's favourite son in a while has really gotten to me. <laughs> it's it's gotten yeah it's getting bad it's not cancelled by the way people keep asking yeah um, but Jonathan's last message was we should do a three hour one and then go on a long hiatus again so that's where he's at <laughs> he's getting all Peter Gabriel on the release schedule so people people think we're the cruel ones in this trio no and he's, they're, he's they're the wrong. mess yeah He's the monster. Oh, we love him, though. We yeah. love him. We love video games as well, I suppose. We do. We should probably... We occasionally have positive opinions about a video game or two. Yeah. Who's got one they want to talk about? Oh. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell yeah, you what. Yeah, this is a bit where one of us has to actually have an opinion. Yeah. Um, I done Journey to the Savage Planet, which... I did before the move because we didn't do a podquisition last week. Mm. Uh, and for that, I would like to take full responsibility and say, I'm sorry. It was a, a tough podquisition moment. <laughs> uh, Thank you, uh, Jim Allen Brack. Jim Allen Brachiosaurus. That would be brilliant. <laughs> Oh, I I'm mean, gonna get just that seems to like a real easy Photoshop yeah, to do. I'm gonna give JL and Brack a long neck. Get just to having him chewing some grass from the trees. Uh, so tree grass, ju- leaves. That's what they call them. <laughs> so what's Journey to the Savage Planet? Journey to the Savage Planet. It's like uh, No Man's Sky with level design. It's first person. You land on this planet. It's an alien planet. Lots of colours. Lots of uh, freaky alien geometry. Really cool. Um, like it's actually very No Man's Sky-ish. Um, little monsters. You eventually you could shoot them and harvest resources. But it's not quite a survival game. You harvest various resource materials like carbon and silicon and stuff. But you just use that to use the 3D printer in the spaceship to make items, which behave as more of a Metroid situation it's been compared to metroid prime 
in that regard as you get new equipment and can explore new places and also the fact that you scan everything like in those games so you see a new alien uh, new item or plant or whatever scan it get info on it um it's got a cute little sense of humour to it as well. There's an AI character, and at first I was rolling my eyes because snarky AI characters, I'm I'm done with them. I've had enough of them. But she's quite good. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're just exploring this planet, and I've been enjoying it quite a lot. Uh, I think it's a very good game. Ah. Oh. Like a, a, a smaller, cheaper Metroid Prime-type experience. Um, I don't think you can go far wrong. I haven't seen a video game since Thursday. Uh, so I'm going off a long memory of of what Journey to the Savage Planet was like now. Because uh, I just haven't had a chance to carry on playing it. But I have been enjoying it a lot. Uh, video game-wise, I can tell you about literally the only video game I've been playing all day today. Because I've been feeling really ill and... I didn't have enough brain to write anything or to do any proper work, but I was like, this thing released, and I'm I'm going to basically spreadsheet manage for a day. Uh, they finally put up Pokemon Home, which is that paid online place to move all your Pokemon from the old games over to the Switch and whatnot. Um, and I suddenly realised, you know I've been doing this thing the last couple of years, trying to get all those shiny Pokemon. I do recall something yeah. being said about so, that. Something about that. So I've been collecting them in, like, four different places. I've had, like, a collection going on Pokemon Go, and one going on the Switch, and one going in the Let's Go games, and one on the 3DS, and... Um... Pokemon Home still has no way to just look at your whole collection and go, please sort this by Pokedex number. Just, <laughs> just sort it in the boxes by Pokedex number, please. So, I have spent the entirety of today managing four different sources of, okay, well, each of these collections of Pokemon is sorted by Pokedex number individually, but I'm having to go and make gaps to go like, okay, well, here's the Bulbasaur from this set, and then I've got to move everything along to fit in the Bulbasaur from that set. I have honestly spent probably seven, eight hours today just trying to sort through my Pokemon collection and I'm still not fucking done. Why are you doing this to yourself? I don't it's... know. It makes my brain very happy, but it's a. I, I recognise this is not a productive use of my life. I feel like this is one of those ironic punishments you would get in hell. It's like, do you, oh, you like collecting shiny Pokemon? Do it for eternity. Yeah, but like... And we'll give you a weird shit box to do it with. But like, here's the problem, though. I've genuinely had a really good time today just sitting, moving stuff around. It's... I I, I feel like I finally understand the people that get really into, like, the football manager games. Mm -hmm. Because I understand the, the beauty of... I just kind of want to sit and fiddle around with this 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 box of things and this spreadsheet until all of the things line up perfectly and then I can go look at my beautiful spreadsheet where everything is perfect. Well, at least you're having fun. Like like so long as you're having a laugh with it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I here's the thing. I I know that as a person I am really prone to obsessive loops uh, particularly with games. And yeah, there are sometimes yeah. where like I see in myself that it's a problem and I, you know, don't let myself play stuff. Um I, for example, I won't touch the, the free loot boxes in um, Overwatch, for example, because I know as soon as I start, you know, opening those, I'll be like, oh, I could just buy a couple, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I stopped playing No Man's Sky because it was, like, getting to a point where it was 
it didn't feel healthy for me to be playing. I stopped playing Temtem for a, a similar reason a couple of weeks ago, but um, Pokemon is the one where I've been like, I am able to keep it under control to a point where it's like, eh, I spent a whole day on it today, but that's because I was feeling real ill. Uh, and I was just like, I, I, I'm going to need to do this at some point. Might as well do it while I'm feeling a bit horrid. But I just really like organizing spreadsheets. And apparently, fucking, you don't need to actually give me new Pokemon content for me to have a good day. You just have to give me like, hey, here's a new box where you can, you can resort all your things. I'm like, <laughs> oh, goody, a new chance to alphabetize things. That's been me playing fucking Pokemon I mean, all day today. Go I'm for glad it. you're happy. Alpha I'm glad you found bliss. Uh, what, what, what about what about all of you? What have you been playing this week? Uh, well, I finished up Disco Elysium since the last time we recorded. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. How are you feeling about that now? That was unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just sort of what you think you kind of have the game figured out. Um, you do not. And I like that a lot. Uh, that's rare. So, yeah, um, brilliant. Brilliant game. I will probably at some point do another run and pursue some different paths and see where those lead. But um, really interesting, um, great world, great, great writing. Um, so yeah, love that. Really encourage everybody to to go play it if they haven't. Um, the f the final act of that game is really superb, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's superb throughout. Uh, there's there's yeah. never there's never a point in it where I'm I wasn't sort of marveling at the construction. I mean, you know, just as someone who thinks a lot about narrative design and and the you know limitations and uh, or or challenges inherent in translating narrative into interactive narrative. Uh, watching the way they did it, it and seemingly so effortlessly um, mm -hmm. is <laughs> it's amazing it's absolutely amazing uh, the, the, the ability with which they continue to sort of do things you wouldn't expect they would account for while making it look like oh yeah no this is easy all games should be doing this why, why you know we've not gone to any effort for this it's yeah, and then you go and look at some of the coverage that's been done on, you know, like, the things that had to be done to accomplish this, and you're like, okay, that's impressive in its own right. Uh, I watched a video, um, I, can't, I wish I could remember the publication that put it out so that people could find it, but um, it was one of the designers talking about the thought cabinet and how mm. they constructed that and, you know, the things that were necessary to make that function and feel good and how it, you know, almost buried the entire project because, you know, uh, it, it, the name Peter Molyneux comes up in the conversation. Oh, God. It's, it's the kind of uh, feature for a game that every time I think about it, I imagine it being like a stretch goal that an overly ambitious Kickstarter game would announce. And like, that would be the stretch goal that that causes the game to never get released. And that is, I mean, yeah, right. There had been pu some publicity that, you know, about this aspect of it and they were working on it for a long time to get it right. And not sure if it was going to work. And that's terrifying. Um, 
but yeah, so really, they they deserve all of the acclaim that they've received for it and the success. And I'm greatly looking forward to whatever it is uh, ZAUM does next. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that some well. I'm hoping that it's done well enough for them that they don't need to seek too much outside investment for whatever they do next, because I was going to say I hope that the success of this sort of brings them, you know, money and stability but uh, from outside sources. But if they, if, if, if they can do this by themselves, I don't want bigger hands putting their hands in and messing around with no. what they've got going. No, I that's... hope that this has done well enough that they can be comfortable continuing to make things without needing you know focus rooms telling them no now the the formula they have clearly has worked at least on this project and you know it's of course it's impossible to say what you know future ideas or things you know there's no way to predict but mm-hmm. uh you know having won all these awards and so forth they could even be in a position to find a publisher who is like, you know, we'll help fund this and it's much more hands off, you know, and if they can arrange an agreement to do that uh, because they have this track record now, you know, that could work out. But I agree. Uh, I I hope that as a studio that has put this out um, on a small scale. I hope they've gotten a huge, huge return on that and, and can remain wholly independent going forward on future projects. They, they are they are the kind of company that I worry what their products would be if they had to rely on convincing a boardroom to let them do this again. Well, I mean, there's... <laughs> we, we know what happens uh, in most yeah. circumstances. Uh, almost invariably, and it it almost it's just a matter of time, I think, for a lot of those companies. You know, it may not have an effect early on, but it will eventually, uh, as those deals continue to exist and the company continues to exist, and has more yeah. responsibilities uh, to employees because it's grown and things like that. Like it's not all just about you know the bad bad publishers. Uh, it's yeah, also yeah. about you know the needs of keeping the company going, and it's a very difficult balancing act that I I don't um, <laughs> I don't envy anybody having to deal with either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that good game, good game. Yep, very good game, very good game. Um, other than that, uh, played a little more Binding of Isaac, um, which by the way, uh. Jim, I did beat Delirium last night. Good, good man. Yeah, yeah, and that that ending uh, is something else. Boy, I yeah, I was, I was good, satisfied with that. They did a, a, a that was worth the effort. It felt like to me, um, like that a lot. Good and conclusive. And it, they don't need any more content for it. Yep, that's right. You <laughs> could stop now. I'm looking forward to repentance. I'll say, uh, you know, but uh, I'll say this about Delirium. I like the boss conceptually. There are some execution issues I have with it. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, I know you really like it, and I love, like, visually what it does, and I love the boss mimic mechanic. Um, my problem is that it still feels like another bullet hell 
yeah. boss fight in the I end. I can see that. I, I honestly find it easier than Hush, though. Oh, it is I, easier than Hush. Yeah, she doesn't have it's... anywhere near the damage soak that um, that Hush does. And it doesn't spend near as much time in hiding. Uh, it's It's a much more fun boss encounter than Hush, for sure. But yeah, it's it's not perfect, that's for sure. Yeah. And what is? Um, wow. uh, had some fun with that, and um, and then I started playing Shovel Knight. Uh, now yeah. that they have decided they're well and finished, uh, making new content for that. Which congratulations, good to good good on Yacht Club for I, I should. I should probably go back to that at some point because I loved the base game and I similarly just didn't go back to a lot of the expansions and standalone things they added to it and like I loved the original game and I think it was just a case of it felt like there were so many things still coming that I just didn't want to jump in and out and in and out. Yeah, that's kind of what happened with me too. I made it almost all the way uh, through the the base game and didn't quite finish it. Um... And then I, I think I played the Plague Knight expansion a little bit, but that's it. And, you know, and then I needed a new game to play on the stream and, uh, that seemed like a good candidate. So I'm, we're just, I'm doing that now and I'm really enjoying it. It is, it, you know, having grown up with that type of game being, what was popular in the formative years of my appreciation of video games, it takes me back there in such a way that I don't see even, you know, many, many, many other games attempting to do so. Um, and it's, it's nice, too, that it's not just nostalgia. I think it's the fact that mm. it is such a well-crafted game in and of its own that still feels enjoyable to play today because you look back at a lot of that older stuff and it doesn't have anywhere near the quality of life refinements that you find in in Shovel Knight. Mm. Um, one, one thing that Shovel Knight gets really right is knowing when to stick with, you know old conventions so that something will feel nostalgic, but knowing when the right times are to fudge the numbers a little bit, to modernise things and make it so like, yeah, these these aspects of this game would not function on an old console, but we're, 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 we're nudging them just enough in the direction of quality of life that it doesn't break the illusion of that big nostalgia hit. Right. Yeah. So... Still very impressive, still having a lot of uh, fun uh, just on my replay of Shovel Knight, and I'm really looking forward to getting into the other characters in the coming weeks. So yeah, that's that's what I've done. What about you, Laura? Uh, I was away in the Netherlands last week uh, while we were recording, while we were having a week off from recording, because uh, I went to go see a bunch of game dev students doing a Really interesting little game jam at a, a university in Utrecht uh, in the Netherlands. Uh, and the, the the basic idea of this is it's a bunch of second year university students who are given some like actual, actionable, real world tasks to build game jam projects to do with. Um, we're talking things like um, 
There is a charity that handles global food sustainability that a quarter of the teams were trying to make games towards. Um, members of the local city council came in and a quarter of the teams were making games to do with local city council sustainability initiatives. Um, like the university ethics department set a task for some of the teams to try and make games about um, society's current disbelief in facts and science, for example. Um, and the idea was putting these like very real people with like, hey, these are these are problems we have right now about educating people about getting people to engage with sustainable ways of moving the planet forward. What what ideas have you got for games that could maybe work on these these topics? You've got a week, go. Cool. Um Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting little concept. It's it's Apparently the last two or three years they've been making this like the annual end of second year project for these students and some of the games that have come out of it have been really interesting. Um, uh, all, all of the games that I saw, um, at, at, as, as of the, the when I'm going to talk about them now, they're about a week into development. They've got about seven weeks of development left to go. So a lot of these are currently... Promising ideas and uh, prototypes that are up on Itch.io that I, I want to talk about. Who knows what they'll look like in seven weeks when they're finished, but I think they're worth looking at regardless. Um, let me pull up my list, because there were like 16 or so uh, prototypes made during the week, but there's like four that I particularly want to talk about. So the first one that I thought was really interesting was a little split-screen co-op game called Harm to Table. Um... And you have two separate games going on on different sides of the screen. Um, one player is doing a sort of um, silly supermarket dash uh, game where they're sort of slightly silly controls, trying to go around a supermarket, bashing into shelves, trying to collect up items as quickly as they can to cross off their shopping list. And the other half of the game is being played as a farmer uh, trying to grow foods and things that will eventually end up in this supermarket. And while it initially seems like it's two separate games going on, the two start impacting each other in interesting ways. Things like if you're overly purchasing things in uh, certain items in the supermarket uh, section of the game, that's going to start putting additional demand and pressure on the people in the farming side. And the idea is to try and take two sort of in separate but connected little gameplay ideas to show how different actions within the sort of food preparation and purchasing cycle uh, impact each other and to sort of teach about food sustainability by getting people to interact on both sides of that. It's a really promising little prospect, uh, uh, little prototype. Uh, you, can, you can play a demo for it on, on Itch right now. Um, I, I'm very curious to see like where where they take the ideas over the next seven weeks, where they build them up. But the core concept is fantastic. Um, are the ones I wanted to talk about? Uh, there's one called Simfluencer. That's a good name. Yeah, yeah right? I like that. Um, I, and more more so even the fact that like. Uh, th this was developed in a country where English was not the first language. That is a good oh. fucking pun to do in your second language. Oh, wondrous. Yeah. Um, so Simfluencer is like a a fake social media app where you've got a bunch of real world uh, 
news events that'll pop up and it's things like um the australian wildfires that are currently going on for example um and you'll have a bunch of pre-made social media responses that you can click on to go what's what's your character's tweet in response to this going to be and it could range from accurate but kind of depressing uh, breakdown of what's happening through to completely ignoring the situation entirely or clickbaity nonsense headline that completely misconstrues the issue. And as you're going through picking these various um, social media posts to do, uh, you can watch your follower count increase or decrease, but also uh, you've got a little measure of your credibility as a news source that goes up and down over time. But you're also trying to balance stuff like... um, if all you post on your feed is really is accurate but really dark, depressing uh, stuff about the state of the world, you start watching the world get more doom and gloom outside the window. Oh it's like, wow! Yeah, mm. that's accurate. That's accurate information. But God, humans are not you know built to only have depressing, dark information and nothing else. Um, again, it's another one that like I want to see. You know, seven weeks from now when this project is done, like, whether it feels like it's saying anything meaningful with that concept. Yeah, like, already there's an idea of um, one's responsibility as someone who could Mm. shape perception. Exactly. And it, it, it... I think what I found interesting about it is it starts from the assumed position of you're playing as someone who already has an established social media presence. It sort of takes the perspective of, look, if you've got a following on social media... What are your responsibilities to yourself, to your audience? Like it, it seems like it's trying to tackle some big questions, and I don't know whether it'll, you know, provide satisfying answers. But the concept's really ambitious, and I'm, I'm certainly excited to see that, you know, get worked on. Uh, there's one that's being uh, made that's called Me Stadji. I've probably terribly pronounced that. M E space S T A D S J I E which roughly translates to My Town, which is a little smartphone minigame compilation that's trying to teach kids about um, various sustainability goals that, like, this this one Dutch city is trying to follow with how... Like, it, this one Dutch city does have these 17 goals that it's trying to aim for in terms of being a sustainable city, but a lot of other cities around the world have these same set of 17 goals. It's all things like... Um, eventually fully recycle all our goods rather than having landfill waste or uh, reducing all carbon emissions, being carbon neutral, using renewable energy. Those those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's trying to come up with silly little WarioWare-esque minigames to get kids engaging with these ideas. Um, currently, there is one minigame in this collection that I think is like really promising, and if they can hit all 17 of these sort of these city goals with similarly engaging minigames. I think it could be really promising as a tool for teaching kids. Uh, it's This minigame has you sorting recycling really quickly into various uh, sort of waste and recycling bins, but there is stuff in there that is deliberately designed to trip you up. Um, for example, I didn't know until a few months ago, uh, if you get like a Domino's Pizza Hut, like takeaway pizza, you can't recycle those cardboard boxes because they've got grease soaked into them. They can't be recycled. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. So it's, it's about like throwing in all these various things that like, 
if you're high score chasing and trying to throw things in quick as possible, you might like go, ah, cardboard, throw that in there. Oops, that can't be recycled. I filled a whole goddamn landfill by myself. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I that was one I didn't know for a long time, but uh, yeah, again, it's it's just a it's just a silly little mini game collection aimed at getting kids to think more about, you know, uh, stuff that they can be doing in their lives to improve sustainability, but. It's a, it's a fun little concept, and I, I want to see it go further. And the last one I wanted to talk about um, that I think is really promising if it develops in the right way is a little game called Life is Fair. Um, I was initially a little bit worried about this one when it started uh, development during the week, because it, it initially felt very much like Papers, Please. Uh, mechanically, it was just Papers, Please reskinned, and it took... It took a little while into its its game jam to really find its own footing, but I I think it's managed to set itself aside as something mechanically distinct now, which I'm I'm kind of into. Um, you play as a train conductor whose whole job is to just check whether people have valid train tickets. Um, but unlike something like Papers Please, where you've got the pressure of you have to get through a certain number of people per day. Uh, with a certain under a certain number of mistakes, or you won't make enough money to feed your family, that kind of thing. Um, this is set in a utopia where um, universal basic income is a reality. Um, y- you don't have to worry; you're not going to lose your job if you don't rush your way through this. But completely optionally, there is a high score table on the train that marks how quickly people are getting through their work, um, just as a like, hey, why not try and be efficient? See how quick you are against your co-workers. And if you go through the train properly, checking every single person's ticket and going, oh, you have a ticket, okay, we move on, you're barely going to break the top thousand. Uh, The idea is, while all of the people are very homogenous looking, they, you know, you can't tell who's a man, who's a woman, Um, there's no differences in bodybuild or anything, uh, there are still distinguishing features, things like some people are wearing blue shirts, some people's shirts have got um, pictures of flowers on them, for example. And let's say you go through a couple of trains in a row and recognise, wait a second, only people with blue shirts and everyone with blue shirts has no tickets. Maybe the next train I just go through and just issue fines to all the people with blue blue shirts so I can get through the train really quickly. And... Maybe it works. Maybe you you get through and you get a really high score on that high score table until it doesn't work and you've issued a bunch of fines to innocent people and you lose your job over it. Um, it, It's an interesting idea. It seems to be trying to play on this fact that humans as a species really love to pattern recognise. And it's a thing we actively have to fight against doing because humans love to recognise patterns and to base future actions on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that they've taken this concept and put the, the, the desire to speed through, uh, through handling the train into something that is self-instigated by the player rather than externally placed on them. I think that there is room there for, for interesting introspection and, and for conclusions to be drawn from that. Um, Again, currently the the prototype that's playable, it's up on itch, is very basic. It's pretty short, but I think there's some promise to that idea. So 
yeah, of the 16 or so games I saw over the last, uh, over the last, last week while I was traveling, those are four that you can go and play demos for them on itch right now, and they're all really interesting, and I, I think that they're worth keeping an eye on, because, like, at, at least one or two of them might turn out to be really cool games. Hmm. And these are all from just, like, you know, early 20s, second year university students, so well done them being, like, ambitious and creative. Yeah, and, and how long did they make these in again? Uh, they, they had, uh, what did they have? They had four days, uh, in teams of six to work on these. Um, so, like, first day was basically coming up with their concepts, day two was paper prototypes, day three was digital prototypes, and day four was have a submittable digital prototype ready to go. Yeah. Cool. So, like, I, I, I'm impressed with with some of the ambitious ideas that, that that they came up with, and I'd like to see some of these become, you know, games that that go a bit further than where they're at now. Yeah. Yeah. What What about both of you? What have you been... Uh, either of you played anything else this week? The other one for me was um, the Dark Crystal game. Oh, that top-down strategy I, yeah. game. Yeah. Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. Oh, some, somebody told me that this segment would be uh okay for me because um i wouldn't wind up sitting here for half an hour listening to the two of you go on and on and on and on about the dark crystal <laughs> go on well fuck them <laughs> <laughs> i love the dark crystal this game seems pretty shit yeah, from what i've seen i wasn't even gonna yeah. we talked about the dark crystal show already <laughs> Whoever that was can go fuck themselves. Then go climb up a tree and fuck themselves. Squirrels are watching, eating their nuts. (laughs) That's what they can do. So I'm going to talk about Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics, which is shit. Yeah, how's it shit? It's shit. I mean, like, I don't really know anything about it specifically. Right. You look at this thing, which costs $19.99. First of all, looks like a fucking mobile game. Um... Poorly animated, visually drab, um, so mechanically basic. Like it's it's the bare minimum for a tactical RPG. So you got your turn-based tactical RPG, like Final Fantasy Tactics, something like that, but stripped way down, um, and so unbelievably slow and full of unnecessary steps. There there are streamlined ways of controlling units and and issuing orders in turn-based strategy games. Click on a unit, move the cursor, and it will draw a little line where it goes, and then... Or just click on an enemy unit and select attack. That's how you do it in a normal game. In this, you've got to click on the unit, or, you know, it'll be their turn. I like the unit. Click on menu, then click on walk. Oh, dicks. Pre-come. So you click on the unit, then you click on the menu, then you click on walk, then you click where you want it to walk, then you click on the menu again, and then Jesus. you click on the action. And then wow. then you click on the target. So anything, basically anything you could do in one button, this game does in about three or four. If, if you'd asked me three or four years ago... If there was, you know, between a Rabbids game and a Dark Crystal game, which one would be more likely to be a mechanically competent RTS? 
I would not have got that question right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, well... Yeah, it's... It's very drab. I mean, there's a cute little class system, you know. You get your little girlflings and what have you. And uh, you can equip jobs that will give them access to certain skills. You can level up in that job and equip a little sub-job and give them a few extra skills. You can very... You can highly customise the characters and inflict little status effects and do a little pushing of, of enemies. Like, you can push them into the gobbles if you want. Um, but, you know, I was doing that shit in Dynasty Tactics on the PlayStation 2. A, a Dynasty Warriors spin-off turn-based RPG feels more modern than this does. And the PS2. And 20 bucks, I, I thought it might be a nice, fun thing to play. Because I, I, I should have looked up more of it. I, I just went inside on Sin because I really enjoy Dark Crystal. I mean, I would probably have gotten it to do a video on it anyway, but I don't normally touch tactical games, strategy games, because I'm thick as pig shit. But the right sales pitch will get me in. So things like this, tactical RPGs, sort of more in the Final Fantasy Tactics vein... Plus Dark Crystal, I was in. And it's... It's like... It, it, it's a throwback to the time when licensed games were common and felt really cheaply put together. Like, like just the minimum viable product for a licensed game. It feels nostalgic in that sense, <laughs> but in, in all other senses, it's just a complete disappointment. Oh, that sucks. So... So, Dark Crystal Game evokes nostalgia. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the headline. All right. Well, good for them. Congratulations. Does your, does your friend, Conrad... Um, oh, I don't know. He's, it, I did not w- say he was Will that be brief enough for your good friend? Yeah. For your, I, your blood brother? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's, it's a shame. Uh, you know, obviously, you always want these things to turn out to be good. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, real shame. I did play like a tiny bit of L.A. Noir on the uh, on the plane to Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. Literally, like the first mission. Um, That's about as much of L.A. Noir as I've played. Too. There you go. God, the faces are creepy. Like they they were a bit back in the day, but as times moved on, looking back now, like it's it feels like flesh crafting. It feels like some some itchy shit from Vampire. Well, like, they they look all the worse for the fact that the game insists that you stare at them. It's it's not like a lot of games where you can have bad face tech, and you're probably going to be looking at the subtitles down the bottom of the screen as much as you are the face. Yeah. But here it's like, no, study this face, drill your eyes into watching this face do what it does, and it's still impressive. Like the the facial animation is still impressive, but yeah, like they. They're making them do subtle facial expressions to try and, you know, subtly hint if they're lying or not. And it still has to be exaggerated a bit because it's motion capture and not perfect. And it's just a... It's a creepy little game. But well, this, this sort of goes back to something that you and I were talking about um, a little bit the other day because we were watching someone play Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. And... Uh, and the thing that 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 we noticed was how, like, 
it, so much of this, the dialogue and, and these sequences is laying a lot of exposition. There's this long dialogue scene, and all of the focus is on the character model all the time, you know, or for yeah. very long static shots that give you enough time to really, really dig in and observe all of the ways it is not accomplishing its goals, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, just, it's weird because we talk about games as being cinematic sometimes. We talk about these sequences as cinematics under certain circumstances, but they don't necessarily employ a lot of the tricks that a film might use to keep those scenes engaging when they happen. Well, yeah, cinematic things have cinematographers and the like. Right. But anyway, sorry, but that that just uh, but no 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 it's a fair point because yeah we were watching that for a long time and and then realized like it's he's in in Twilight Noir's credit the bloke in uh, Zero Dawn who was talking at the time had about five facial expressions <laughs> um, L.A. Yeah. Noir having significantly more like like L.A. Noir's tech is still impressive but. As the time goes on, it only gets weirder looking. And it's mechanically relevant in L.A. Noir. It is, you know, it it's is. It's not quite the same comparison. but And, and, and you know, he deserves credit for that as well. Like, like that's... I'm sure it's been done in other games, but it's, it's such a rare mechanic mm -hmm. to just... Look, like, there's no button presses that manipulate that. Nope. It's all in you looking at the face. And, and that, that's a new way of control more like almost it's a new interface um very rare interface uh, which i do find um fascinating still and and impressive um but yeah it's i don't know if i'll keep going i, I bought it just um i thought i'd be uh flying a lot less tumultuously i thought it was going to be a nice breezy travel so i was going to get through la noir but didn't um so yeah, I'll save it for more. I'll be doing a lot mm. more traveling, so I'll keep it in the pocket. Um, it's a shame what happened to Team Bondi. Yeah, yeah. that whole outfit stunk. What a what a what a wretched uh, situation! Again, poor management and and people underneath that poor management uh, paying for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some other little bit stuff that happened this week. Um, uh, let's breeze through them quickly. We've got to go do a thing in a minute. Yeah, we'll get through them real quick. Uh, you know how Anthem was totally dead and was never going to get any content and had gone dead in the water? Yeah. Uh, apparently they're bringing it back and they're going to do some kind of content for yeah, it. Yeah, they, they're going to innovate this time. They, they've promised this time that they're going to focus on gameplay. Ah. Isn't that nice? Was that not what they were doing before? Apparently not. They said this time they can focus on what they really want to, which is testing, iterating, and gameplay. Hey, hey, They're going to hey, put those first hey, now. Hey, hey. People have purchased and paid money for this game. They should not be being being pay, have paid money for you to test and work out if you've got a video game that's fun. <laughs> Works for Bethesda. <laughs> T test. Oh, we'll test and work out what's enjoyable gameplay. What? No, that's your job. People who make the game. Well, they're doing their job now. It took them a took them a minute. You're not buying a. No, you're not buying a game anymore. You're buying an idea. You're buying an idea that might one day get completed maybe it won't maybe they'll tell you it's never going to be completed then yeah. <gasps> surprise it is going to get completed basically we as customers now are investors with none of the benefits uh, there's nothing so there's... to reap for us at the end except maybe a good game maybe maybe 
Uh, and then the other thing was, just when you thought loot boxes couldn't get any more... Uh, in Arena of Valor, you can now get a Colonel Sanders skin if you buy real-world boxes of chicken that have, like, a 20% drop rate for an in-game skin, because of course. I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, what I thought fuck? you might have opinions on this. What? You can't yeah. chicken a loot box? You can't chicken a loot box? I mean... Why are they chickening the loot okay. boxes? I, I will say... This isn't the first time that randomised rewards have been attached to food. This is true. You know, I used to get mini boglins in boxes of golden grahams. That is true. Yeah, I retract yeah, everything. You know, this this is definitely yeah. an elaborate version of that. I mean, it's not really... And if you want to like, even take it from the perspective of how highly prized this Fortnite skin may or may not it's Fortnite right? Arena of Valor but it might as well be Fortnite <laughs> sorry Arena of Valor right well it will inevitably sorry, oh, I missed it'll that. Be it will inevitably day, come yeah. to one of these other yeah. games um this is you're beholding the future you're a uh, witness <laughs> um but this is you know, take it from a certain perspective were it a Fortnite thing that was super 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 in demand it would be like a sweepstakes prize yeah right? You know, it's it's like playing Monopoly at McDonald's. Yeah. Well, also, this this is very much KFC's marketing MO these days. Like, do you remember when they released that really tacky KFC dating sim a few months back where the whole concept was... Oh, yeah. I yeah, do. Here's three days of culinary school and maybe you'll get to date hot, sexy Colonel Sanders. Like, this is what they do now. They go, here's a sexy version of Colonel Sanders attached to a video game. Please buy our products. I don't think I don't think they're under. They're not trying to hide yeah. it either. They're shameless in the way that they're doing it in a manner that I cannot help but respect. I mean, yeah, I would. I, I would respect it if it, if not for the fact that do you want to play as Colonel Sanders in this game? You might have to spend fifty quid on chicken. If you want to play as Colonel Sanders in this game. I think you have larger problems than the 50 quid you're spending on chicken. Like, but like, here's, here's the thing. Take away the, the kind of, like the KFC branding. It's a pretty fun looking skin. <laughs> you're, you're, you're running around as a man with a, with a quite a nicely capped beard and like a staff with a bucket of chicken on the end of it. It's quite a cool thing to be in a video game. And if you've bought too much chicken, you can always throw it at your wall. If you've spent 50 if you spent 50 quid's worth of money on chicken, right, you should throw it at your fucking wall. Make sure you hit family pictures as well. And then just sit there in your own grease. Let the chicken stay until the flies have at it. While you just sit there in your own feculence and filth playing Fortnite in your Colonel Sanders skin. You trash so yeah, I think that's it for the newsy bits. But yeah, 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 should be a, a fun skin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, once you've finished eating all your chicken skins, you can have your Colonel Sanders skin. Mm, and that's all you're eating. That's all oh. you're eating, the skin. And you just leave a big pile of meat and bones in the corner because <laughs> that's what your life is now. You're a chicken oh. person. You're a chicken person playing Fortnite, advertising Colonel Sanders to other players so they can go out and become chicken people too, eating their buckets of dirt 
that they throw away and you probably can't recycle those buckets either. No, because they're food waste. They're food cardboard. Food cardboard. See, you learn about sustainability today, Jim. Just a pile of buckets outside your fucking house. While you're uh, sat there in the same pair of underpants you've worn for three weeks. Playing Fortnite in your Colonel Sanders skin. See, that got very much grosser in my head the more times that the, the phrase Colonel Sanders skin got said. Because by the end of it, I was... Oh, it's it's like one of those... Yeah. It's like one of those memes, like, every time Shrek says, Oh, donkey, it speeds up a bit. Every time I get back round to the Colonel Sanders skin, it gets a little more upsetting. Every time you said Colonel Sanders skin, I got closer and closer to picturing, like, a horrific murder and someone wearing a skin suit. Oh, yeah, that's how it ends. That's how it always yeah. ends. It's how, it's, it's how it was always going to end. Is someone's going to find whoever's playing the Colonel now, and then... <laughs> Cut your skin off and wear it, and then parade around, thinking they're in Fortnite for real. And then we find out that Jack Thompson was 100% correct the whole time. He was just way ahead of the curve. He got the wrong game. That that was Jack Thompson's only mistake. He got the wrong game. He should have been going after Fortnite and its chicken people. Ah. Uh. Is that us done? We wrapped up for the week. Oh, yeah. Oh, we talked about video games We did. Now, yeah. Were they great or perfect? Uh, perfect this week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Especially, uh, especially that, uh, that, that Dark Crystal one. Perfect. Uh, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, Laura, how can people find out more things for you for do on the internet when you want to show it to them? The work and books. Them, them things and what and stuff. Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Patreon.com forward slash Laura K. Buzz. You can find everything I post at LauraKBuzz.com, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, podcasts, all that stuff. I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels, it's a book about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum, and it's out now where books are sold. You can get it as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, there is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which we got our first page samples back for the other day, and it looks fantastic. Uh, That's coming out in October, or earlier if you're back it on Unbound. Um... Other than that, I'm on some podcast. There is Pixel Squirt, which is a podcast where I review video game pornography. Uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé do silly skits and voices and talk about things that aren't video games. And then there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, and soon season 7. Every season's a self-contained story. You know who else is on that one? Conrad's on it. Oh my gosh, that's right, I am on that one. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, at Conrad Zimmerman. You can uh, buy buttons that I make, uh, badges if you prefer, uh, at pinfultruth.com, P-I-N-F-U-L-T-R-U-T-H. I'm one pin away from another set. I'm just so close. I haven't figured out what it is, but I'm right there. Do it off my face and underneath it says, hi. I mean, I might just do that <laughs> anyway. Um uh, you can buy audiobooks uh, if you like hearing this voice uh, of me reading books at conradreads.com. Uh, for the month of February, which is half over now, um, because there is a movie coming out starring Bradley Whitford, uh, my reading of The Call of the Wild is 
uh, marked down to a dollar. So uh, you could go buy that, or uh, you could buy the Time Machine, which just came out, or you could buy the Communist Manifesto, whatever you want. Um, and then I do some other podcasts. You can hear me on Spinoff Doctors with uh, Jim Sterling, which uh, we need to record another episode of pretty soon now that you're getting settled. And um, you can hear me on Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast, where I talk about uh, BoJack Horseman. Uh, Of course, Laura already mentioned Dice Funk, which is a delightful D&D live play where I'm on seasons five, six, and soon to be seven. Um, You can... Oh, uh, you can... Join me on live streams. I've been streaming. I did my whole Disco Elysium stream. That's all available to watch on my Twitch channel, but you can watch along with me as I play Shovel Knight and then random things on weekends. Uh, Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. And uh, I'm also on a podcast called Boston's Favorite Son, as previously mentioned, uh, with Jim, who has a Patreon, right? Yes, I do. I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Jimquisition. You can go there to throw money at it if you want. Um, I will just say the the, the support the, the show has has been most gratefully received at this time, where I won't tell you how much money I've just simply lost on a variety of shit that I haven't even gone into um, over this past week, especially various medical bullshit. Like, I've lost a time it's been awful but um still doing well and settling thanks to everything and still keeping everyone paid and content coming still managed to do inquisition still going to do one on monday still here right so yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to getting back into work um we're easing in i hope to be streaming again very soon um i hate that i basically everyone was getting on board with it and it was starting to really kick off and then back tooth ear knob that was the blue P. Um, travel delay show. Travel settle in. It's it's been nonstop, but um, I I don't like things not being normal. So rest assured, I'm returning to normal as soon as possible. And thank you uh, for all of the support and the listening and the sharing until then. And we will see you here again next week. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye.